Stan Lee, Jack Kirby, and Steve Ditko created Spider-Man, X-Men, the Fantastic Four, and the Avengers, timeless characters whose stories were retold in the modern day with the creation of the Ultimate Marvel Universe. Join us as we journey through My Ultimate Year. Welcome to My Ultimate Year, Episode 18. I'm Dave Busing, founder and editor-in-chief of ComicBookHerald.com. I am joined today by the only individual mm-hmm. Oh, he's got something. Regularly. He definitely has something to say here. Oh, ew. everyone, hold on, because here it comes. Hang on. Oh, it's good. Oh. That joins me regularly, looking like... A lady robot. Oh, That's God, all I got. Nothing. <laughs> nothing. Boo. I had nothing. I had nothing. You're fired. You're off the show. Uh, it's Zach Dean. How's it going, Zach? <laughs> it's good, Dave. God, oh, I missed you on my ultimate year. I feel like I haven't haven't seen you in a dog's age. Uh, it has been a while. Yeah, it's been I recorded a while the first we talked ultimate year. Episode, uh, and, and this time we're going to talk about Ultimate Vision, mm. issues one to five. We're going to talk about Ultimate Spider-Man, number 106 to 117. Uh... Yeah, I'm feeling a little ultimate fatigue, obviously. Mm. I, I think I will say mm. that. That said, I think we got one batch here, pretty good. I appreciate. And then we got one batch here that is a big old why. <laughs> why Why did we need this? Uh, and that is, of course, Ultimate Vision. Oh, no, um, I thought, now, I thought if you were you're... going the other way. I thought, why is Spider-Man still going? And Ultimate Vision, ooh, oh, baby. Ooh, ooh, baby. Yeah, we'll get into that. Um, so, I again, like, if you want to see all the comics that we're reading for My Ultimate Year, you can find them in the show notes. Uh, you can find access to the full spreadsheet over on uh, patreon.com slash year. We're supporting the show. Greatly, greatly helps us out. Uh, it supports both My Ultimate Year and My Marvelous Year, where we go through Earth 616, which is the regular Marvel Universe, the, the prime Marvel U, right? And uh, also, if you could consider rating and reviewing uh, My Ultimate Year, that helps us find more listeners who want to play along in the reading club. Yeah, and, Zach. and if you're listening to this on our public feed, you have six more episodes of this show waiting for you behind the My Marvelous Year paywall. We do uh, six months ahead on uh on um the patreon feed true story yeah. true story so zach where where are you at enthusiasm wise for the ultimate universe it, like it, wa- like it waxes into these comics you know we're deep here we're deep yeah, into the ultimate yeah, yeah. universe how, how does it feel i mean it, it waxes and wanes like depending on the batch we're reading right so like the last two episodes that we did uh well <laughs> episode 16 had ultimate power which was one of the worst comics we've read. And then the last episode, which yeah, I hated that. Thank, you know, you should be thankful that you were not on, had Fantastic Ultimate Fantastic Four 33 through 46, written by Mike Carey, which was, like, not quite as bad as Ultimate Power, but, like, pretty bad and, like, harder to read. Like, it, it was more of a slog to get through, even if it wasn't quite as, like, objectively awful and stupid. Hmm. Really, Ultimate didn't. Power does have those big moments of going for it. I, I suppose. Yeah, like I, w- I never felt like bored reading it. Like I was always just like, this is dumb, and I don't care about it. But like, it moved, and I read all nine issues in you know 
I was kind of curious where it might 20 go. minutes or something. I'll, I'll the Fantastic that. Four issues we read were, like, pretty dire. Like, there there were a few little moments that stood out as uh, interesting. But, like, that's the one with Thanos. Um, not to, to recap the whole thing. Um, but I felt bad because Monica was on that episode and she, like me, really kind of hated those comics. Written by Mike... Stuck her with a stinker. Written and, by Mike uh, Carey. And, and that is the and... ultimate version of Thanos, which is one of those things when you look at it in retrospect, when it's like... Okay, the Ultimate Universe is this majorly influential thing on the Marvel Cinematic Universe, except the big bad of the entire Infinity sequence, you know, the first whatever it is, 20 movies. The Ultimate Universe version of that is just a hot garbage. It's nothing. It's right? a big, yeah. Like, completely unusable. I, I will say, I think Mike Carey is, I mean, c- clearly, like, a talented writer. I don't think he's doing anywhere near his best work here but i think a big part of the problem with that was pascal ferry's art pascal ferry's art was so ill-suited to those comics and really well really rough but we've got mike carey again here on ultimate vision and i here's the thing get paid get get your money right mike carey go ahead collect those ultimate universe checks these are not his finest well you know what Um, like i think these are uh, the thing is like i part part of it is that the art here by brandon peterson i think is quite good Mm -hmm. i think the art is actually excellent uh Mm -hmm. i would go far as to say i think the art looks good excellent yeah i really like it i think the art Mm -hmm. looks good and i think the actual like layouts are interesting and dynamic and it like moves things around enough like shifts up styles that i think like yeah these were pretty engaging the writing is okay you know like i don't think this is that great i think it's fine i think it's fine fine. but the the question i wanted to ask you is that like it's one of these things where it's like i had an okay time reading this but if this was not a marvel comic in a continuity that i'm reading all of right Mm -hmm. like Mm -hmm. would you ever if this was disconnected from a larger marvel continuity because it basically is more or less like sam wilson shows up nick fury is here to a degree but like this is not impacting the larger marvel world um no if this was some like five issue boom miniseries and you read the first two issues would you be like hell yeah can't wait to find out what happens in issue three no 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 absolutely not even though i I don't think they're a disaster i just think there's kind of like but it actually kind of (laughs) got i kind of want to like run that metric by more marvel comics of just like well they they especially work for launching a miniseries yeah i think you know this is five issues and out and i think that that metric that evaluation criteria can be held to something like this a little more thoroughly where it's like okay really if i yeah if i read two issues of this would i think this is a book i want to finish and ultimate vision to me is absolutely not despite the fact that like you said it's perfectly competent it's perfectly workmanlike i do actually i think brandon peterson like he's doing a continuation of what we saw in ultimate extinction and ultimate nightmare like these are quote unquote nice looking ultimate universe books they fit the style they fit the tone of the time um the story's just kind of a bore and it there's like probably two things that i latched onto that i found kind of interesting mm-hmm. um but i don't i don't necessarily it's really it's just like a galactus saga epilogue mm-hmm. yeah at the heart of it yeah. and there's you know it gives a little space to vision in this universe and it gives a little space to this version's falcon um and and that's about it you know it's not it's far from essential, and then it's far from... If you're not going to be essential from a continuity perspective, then you, then the goal is to be good. Yeah, interesting. It's, it's not good. Yeah. It's just fine. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it, right. So this, this is Ultimate Vision fighting. There's a, there's an AIM scientist who's trying to, like, hack into the Galactus robot, too. No, like, Zach, let me ask you. At what point or ever did you connect who this AIM scientist is? 
Mm, what's his name again? George Tarleton. Uh, I don't. You don't get to Google. I know. I don't know. I don't know. So the only reason I know it immediately uh-huh. is because PlayStation uh, PS4 Avengers made George Tarleton the main villain <laughs> of their ill-fated video game launch, which I actually still enjoy here and there is just kind of a mindless mash em up thing as they add characters like Kate Bishop and Clint Barton. George Tarleton is Modoc. Whoa, really? <laughs> yeah. That's pretty funny. Yeah. Okay. That's interesting. That is his human alias. And that is why the final page of yeah, this comic, yeah, yeah. the last page of this comic, is the weird head on, oh, on the legs, which I will say visually is like It's pretty cool. Pretty good. Yeah. Well you know what like <laughs> it's one of those things though where it's just like <clears throat> without knowing that's a Modoc tease, I saw that last little thing and was like why are they teasing more like what do you think you're gonna get another yeah, one of yeah, these like, right <laughs> i don't i mean maybe maybe they you know just in case it takes off um yeah it, it's it's a guy who tries to hack into galactus take his power galactus then takes over galactus has like a a weird bio virus thing he releases to like uh it, it's kind of like um what is it kind of like what's it kind of like dave like a like a biovirus. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's <laughs> I feel like you said it. Yeah, yeah. It, it it just turns people into creepy monster things, and then Galactus wants to blow up the Earth. It's fine. All of it is fine. The, the action moves. There's a little robot girl. Um, yeah. It's just weirdly like it feels just inessential, even if like I think it's competently done. Mike Carey's writing, I think, is very solid. Except, and this is something I felt hugely during Fantastic Four because it's all over that. I think it's fine, except when he's writing banter. I think he's really bad at banter and i re- think he's really bad at like playful writing it all seemed really forced and really like it's very unnatural i mean i think of him as being a very serious writer yeah yeah that's um all, all the serious like, even even his x-men 616 x-men which i really like he does a good job i think legacy x-men legacy as well is is his stuff um there, there's got to be more playful stuff in that because he's dealing with characters you know like a rogue or like i don't know even like legion stuff but at the same time, I still think of him as a very serious yeah, writer. Yeah, 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 I agree. Yeah, I, I think he actually kind of writes the, like, arch-villainy stuff pretty well. And then when he writes, like, like he writes Modoc uh, as kind of having all these quips, and they all feel, fall super flat. And I, I felt that during Fantastic Four, that, like, his Johnny Storm and Ben Grimm were some of the, like, weakest aspects, because they're quipping around, and it just falls incredibly flat. Um, Which is a problem. All right, so the, the big thing really that we have to talk about here is that like the decision to make vision ooh oh baby she's she's so hot she's so hot <laughs> um yeah this is definitely an era this is definitely so this this comic's released in 2007 mm-hmm. early 2007 yep. and i i also think around this time in 616 and i won't spoil anything for those of you playing along in my marvel this year cuz we're not there yet but there are robotic there are sexy robotic, um, like gender bent versions of characters there, and uh, and then there's a pretty oh, famous one that happens with um, with another longtime Marvel villain. Okay, so this is definitely an era of Marvel saying, "Yeah, but what if they had boobs?" Because that's because visually, <laughs> literally, that. that is how okay, they so- that is how they tell you that this change has occurred. And it's you know, on one hand, I'm kind of like because like there's a there's a there's a, like a modicum of it where it's like kind of progressive, mm-hmm. you know, where it's like, why can't they be a different gender? Like, like who cares? Um, tell a different story. Like that could be interesting, especially in the ultimate universe, right? Like in the ultimate universe, like that, that would be a, a number of characters would be more interesting if you played with 
different uh, social criteria, right, in identification of that character. Mm-hmm. Um, but but I also I don't want to give Marvel too much credit there because no. mostly it's just it's like, a gimmick. Hey, what if we made them titillating and sexy? Well, okay. And, so and here's the thing: is the I, I think the actual like gender swap is just a gimmick. I think it extends that far, right? That's big time gimmick. Literally yeah. all it is. Um, I will say I actually don't think they draw her to be that titillating here, right? Like I I don't think they do too much like. It's hard to picture somebody who looks at this and goes like, "Ooh, Hachimama!" Like, except well, for well, all I guess the... you're not looking at me on the camera, then, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because I'm joking around, but like, I mean, it's just it's stupid more than anything else because it's just like, why would you have a gendered robot who has no gender identity, right? Like, why would you go to that length? Well, that's the thing. I mean, that's Vision, the thing with Vision. Vision it's like kind it's very of gendered, easy to be like, like, we've also seen like Vision doesn't have genitals, right? Like Vision clearly is. I, I mean, I guess he's kind of coded as male, but, like, he is not, uh, I mean, not that you're defined by your genitals, we don't want to draw that line, but, like, it, it's just, it's a strange choice that I don't think has much meaning here. The interesting thing to me is that, like, the way that the characters in the book react is if she's, like, one hot tamale walking around. There are several characters in this story, in the five issues, who are, like, hot for female vision, and that is very funny to me, because, like, she's even less, like, it, it's funny that Scarlet Witch is hot for vision, because it's like, wh- why? How? Like, what do you? Th- yeah. What do you? Th- I mean, sexually, what do you think you'll ever get out of this? Like, it's even more so <laughs> with 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 this vision because like she's really robotic, right? Like all the joints, all the metal work <laughs> is right there. Yeah, yeah. It, there, there's no you know like polymer uh, skin on the outside. Uh, she's very not recognizable as a human. But like Sam Wilson is just like oh, Sam. You always fall for the wrong type of. <laughs> And then, like, tries to get her to, like... Sam, Sam falling for, for female vision is is comically underdeveloped. It, it's almost cute. <laughs> like, it, it kind of works. The thing is, like, almost if they made her a little more human, right, the way that, like, mainline vision is... It could work is, better if they leaned in more into the android part right, of, the, the, of vision, which is yeah. where the Wanda relationship at least has some... You can read that and be like, I don't, I don't need to, like totally understand this mm-hmm. but i can accept that it might work sure the, the way that we do it whereas Scarlet you read Witch, these and it's like yeah. i don't see that at all she, yeah, it's, it'd be like sam falling for one of tony's suits yeah like, it's, it's exactly like that yes yes right it's just like every time tony puts on the suit sam wilson's just like oh sam you always fall for the wrong Which, type of guy i mean i do have to say <laughs> you know we're recording this uh wandavision has aired in full falcon and the winter soldier is coming to a close and the MCU and Disney Plus are cowards. They are cowards if the next uh, spinoff they announce is not a Sam and Vision romance series. <laughs> Absolute cowards if they don't follow through on this uh, very, very thinly developed threat. Oh, here, here's universe. my pitch, though. It's got to be that super white Vision, right? And then, like, Marvel mm-hmm. uses that as a metaphor for, like, you know, some kind of racial thing. And then, like, oh. For whiteness? Right, yeah. <laughs> Perhaps. Yeah, like, <laughs> some kind of analogy for being white. And then, like, mm-hmm. the, they just do what they're best at, which is explore, like, some nuanced racial themes. Um, like, really commit to it and explore them in complicated adult ways. Um, Gosh, I can't wait. Yeah, I can't wait for that to come to Disney+. Plus. going to be here soon. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it. it is – it's not – it's not a, like nothing about the relationship or the dynamics is offensive. Nothing about, no, or at least to me, you know, the, the vision, um, I, I think vision, you know, being, uh, I guess presenting as female here. Like, I don't, 
there's nothing wrong with it. I don't think it's a huge win. I don't think it's a huge loss, I guess. You know? No, no, it's it's, um, it's, it's mostly kind of just it's there. a little quirky. That's like the best I can say for it. But yeah. no, I'm, I'm I mean, not. It's, I'm just trying something, but not really exploring it in yeah. any interesting or meaningful way. Um, and then, yeah, the George. Oh, well, I guess you need the only other piece. You need to rationalize having a woman character like, oh, if there's a woman on screen, we need to d- there needs to be a reason for it. That's Dave's motto, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, what? Well, what, are you, what are you corner are you jamming me into now? Just any time, like they're like, yeah, we're announcing a new female superhero, and it's like, oh, does it matter why she's female? Why did you write f- a female character if it doesn't even matter that she's a woman? Why does why isn't it just a man? That's what Dave's always yeah, saying yeah. on Twitter about any time there's a female. Right, right. Jedi. No, that is my Twitter yeah. at comicbookmanherald.com. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. There's not much else to say about this. What there is so much to say about is Ultimate Spider-Man 106 to 117. And we've got two arcs split up by a like an interstitial issue here. Mm-hmm. First arc here is Marvel Knights, which is a reference to the late 90 it's like 1999 through early 2000s Marvel Knights series which was like who was it? It was like Daredevil, Punisher, um Cloak and Dagger maybe. I, I read it a while ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. who who am I? missing slash wrongly inserting into this well thing the the I, so there the marvel knights is both an imprint yeah right kind of. yeah yeah and it's like it's it's an era really like it's this is the post marvel bankruptcy yeah. when joe quesada and and friends jimmy palmiati's involved come in and and really revamp marvel and this is kind of when bendis gets his start at 616, when he comes in during the Marvel Knights era and starts writing Daredevil, mm-hmm. is yeah. definitely like one of the bigger it's like moments in there. In, now, there's also a and... series called Marvel Knights yeah, yeah. that was, I think, written by Chuck Dixon, actually. And um, yeah, it that that's fairly forgettable and less yeah, I read less some. important. For, the first thing the is day, like, but it's kind of Punisher it's the idea of like Marvel's Defenders, like Netflix style. Mm-hmm. It's like the street level heroes, yeah. but as the Marvel Knights. So yeah, like you said, it's Daredevil, it's Cloak and Dagger. Um, Punisher gets involved. Uh, I don't know if it definitely has Moon Knight, but like here in the Ultimate version, we got Moon Knight, oh, we got Black, Black we Widow. Got no, it is. It's I'm looking at it right now. It's a uh, Black Widow, Dagger, Moon Knight, Shang Chi, and Luke Cage. Uh, and no then Doctor Strange, though I don't think no, who's no, who's in this one. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, it's it's trying to rekindle that magic, I suppose, for the Ultimate Universe. Mm-hmm. You know, so we've complained before about like these characters specifically have all shown up in ultimate spider-man it all felt like just checking off a box of just like oh yeah shang chi's here but there's not really much going on with him moon knight's here even daredevil has mostly felt kind of superfluous this felt like the first story that i was like oh like i think you're using them to good effect you know like shang chi doesn't get a ton to do but like i felt like he's part of the story here right dr strange doesn't get a ton to do but like he feels fleshed out enough for what his role is. Daredevil is pretty big in this, and I felt, like, appropriately fleshed out. Like, has his own little arc. And the, the idea here is Daredevil recruits Spider-Man among alongside the other characters we just mentioned to kill Kingpin, to kill Wilson Fisk. Um, and quickly, yeah. like, Spider-Man talks them out of it and decides to, like, take, them, take him down from the inside. And, like, you know, he's kind of just like... Spider-Man, right? Like, I'm not going to kill anybody, and if you try to kill people, I'm going to sick Luke Cage on you, which is not the first time he... The only time he threatens that Nick Fury, but uh, but Luke Cage is available. Did I say Nick? Well. I might have said Nick Cage. Did I say Nick Cage? <laughs> no, but that would have been. Better. <laughs> <laughs> it's gonna sick Nick. That would have been. That would have been the best possible answer. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Yeah. No. God, it's a bummer that Luke Cage got like tossed off in a joke. <laughs> That's so frustrating. Uh, yeah. By Mark Miller. Maybe maybe he'll show up later. Um. 
anyway, yeah, so it's a story of, uh, it's a Kingpin story, which those work pretty well in the ultimate line. Um, uh, what's his name? Iron Fist is like double crossing them. Uh, Moon Knight splits off a new personality, <laughs> which is like fun. I like the way that that's, that's played with is like his internal, um, all his personalities like hang out together in his mind, like personified by three people and they all argue. And that's actually a thing. That's actually a well Bendis would come back to hard in 616. Mm. And it's something that I don't know that it had been done exactly like this before, but clearly it's a a style that works. And and I actually, I have to say, I kind of like it here in the Ultimate Universe. Um, Like, I I don't think it's a good or reasonable representation of, like, mental health. No, There's a lot of of criticism you could do there. But as superhero shenanigans go, um, Moon Knight's deal is actually... It, it kind of propels this comic in a way I would not have expected. It's, um, can I can I just say before you do more plot stuff too? Uh, you know we've kind of we've gone back and forth, and when you're when you're talking about this entire lengthy run of Bendis and Bagley, which you know by the time we get to the end of this arc, we're we're through 110 plus issues. It's really good. <laughs> it's really it's it's, it's it's very remarkably consistent. Yeah, it, it's really and solid, well, especially no, then no, when no, you bounce I, around no, the I other totally, Ultimate Universe. I disagree stuff. about the the consistency. Right, because that it is more. It's definitely more consistent than the other series. But like what? It, but like the floor. Yes, is okay. is not is is high. That, okay? That's true. Like that's true. We we've read like like it doesn't really sink bad to these X-Men. depths where you're like, yeah. oh, this is unreadable. Yeah. But the next arc's going to be like good. the Brian it's K. Just, this stuff's kind of flat. The Brian but, K. Vaughn you know, X Men stunk, and the Mike Carey Fantastic sometimes, Four yeah. stunk. No, no Spider Man has like stunk. Like some Spider Man has been boring and feels like it's treading in place your, but it's what's your least favorite thing that's happened in the bendis and bagley era of spider-man i mean the thing i would is, say it, it's the death of gwen stacy is the thing that stands out the most to me oh, the way yeah, they did it yeah. and didn't hit it i mean that that's a bad plot line right but that that's more of like a critique of the actual story rather than like you, yeah, you yeah. forgot how to write a like good story like the parts that stink for me no i just think it i just think it didn't hit and gwen's actually a really interesting yeah. player in this yeah, yeah that's a bad plot line the, my, my issues with like this run are the times where it's just like where he feels like what we've talked about, where it's just like, oh, hey, it's a shocker, but this time he's a, he's got a slightly different costume, and it's like just retreading like six one six stuff in a way that is not new or additive or feels like unique to this world. Um, Which was frequently has been my criticism of the times Daredevil has shown up. Yeah, there's there's a big like, gap. Oh, I it's feel just six one six Daredevil, middle, except. Yeah. He knows he's much older than Spider-Man, mm-hmm. and he's a dick about it. Yeah, yeah <laughs> like right. that's the difference in their dynamic here. And that that's happened. There was, I feel like there was a big run or a, a decent length of time where we were like, yeah, it's lost steam a little bit. And then I think starting with the Clone Saga, it has really picked up again because I think like the Clone yeah. Saga was yeah, yeah. great. I think this is very good. I think the next story with Osborne is a little not quite uh, up to these heights, but I think it, it's back on track. But it's again. important, like, and it and it does also yeah. cement that thing of like. Hey, you know what the through line of the Ultimate Universe is? It's Ultimate Spider-Man. You know, like every... They can tell these stories about Norman Osborn escaping a S.H.I.E.L.D. facility. And it feels like you're reading Ultimates. Mm -hmm. You know, like it feels like you're reading an event and it's just an arc of Ultimate Spider-Man. And it's the... Partly because of the creative consistency, you know, like Miller and Hitch, they're done after a bit, right? They don't continue for the length of time. But if you're trying to get a feel for like... What is the ultimate universe? What matters? What's happening? You read Ultimate Spider-Man, you know, and and that, that I think it's to these creators. Again, I just, I do want to give you know credit where it's due. Like that's an impressive feat yeah, over the course of sure. now seven years um, to to maintain that and keep it up. Like 
you know, in a lot of ways, like, yes, it's a Spider-Man book, but it's also just kind of like Ultimate Universe number one through number one. Seven years, like 10, right? Like, we're in up to like one. No, this is, 17. this is, so the first issue, 106, comes out in May 2007 here. Oh, um, they must have been in putting these out more so than by the time, monthly. At some by the time point. Bagley's done, which is the other piece of this, yeah, so we'll this get to that. Like, Marvel Knights arc is Bagley's last arc. Yeah. On the title, um, you know, we're we're getting into maybe early 2008 at the latest. By the end of this, oh, they must have been releasing uh, more frequently than every month, at some point at least. Um, but yeah, yeah. Um, it looks like it was bi-monthly, if I'm understanding this correctly. Okay. Yeah, so I, I, which is even more impressive to me because then that's the thing that definitely we don't, you know, we talked about this before on my Marvel this year. We don't take into account when we're binging on Marvel Unlimited the fact that they had to pump out two issues in a month. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, you know, like sometimes I, I feel like I've almost like relented on Bagley a little bit, like kind of been like, okay, like I, I shouldn't be so tough because like it's a lot to draw every month. Uh, you know, compared to like, especially if it's coming out two times a month. Yeah, yeah. and that that's wild. Um, compared to like, um. Uh, who did you just say? The Hitch. Hitch doing those, which would take two to three to four months per issue sometimes. Mm-hmm. That, like, mm-hmm. the first arc of that came out came out over, like, nine months to a year, something like that. Yeah. Um, because those are, you know, a lot more detailed. There's a lot more going on. That's definitely a thing artistically that that I think fans tend to overlook, and, and myself included, right? Where it's like, how much editors value consistency, speed, mm-hmm. hitting deadlines, and getting stuff done. Yeah. You know right. what I mean? Like Like, those do the job quirks as opposed to like Todd McFarlane draws incredible. Right. Yeah. Big (laughs) stunning, you know, remarkable work month after month. Just like, yeah. 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 That's a very good point. Um, yeah. So this story, I I think the, the standout moments for me are Moon Knight. Like he gets lost in this other personality actually brings Spider-Man delivers him to Wilson Fisk, who then has a really great scene. I think one of the the better scenes that we've seen, like, in this run, where Wilson Fisk's, like, unmasks Peter, has him tied up, and just says, like, hey, I don't even need to know who you are. I know where you go to school. I could figure out who you are if I needed to. You keep being Spider-Man, but just know, like, if you get in my business again, I'll blow up your school, I'll find your parents, I'll kill them, I'll kill your girlfriend, Kitty Pride. Like, you know, like, it... You can't stop me. I'm not even really gonna try to stop you. I could kill you, but I'm not going to. Because I'm making money off of you, like I, I, because of that, like the wrestling which, thing, like, which he's stealing here from, from Frank Miller's Daredevil. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That. Um, wait, wait. I'm gonna call that a theft. Wait, what do you mean? <laughs> I'm just gonna go ahead and call it. That's that's what Kingpin tells Daredevil. That I, gonna... in in Frank Miller's run, he's basically like, "You work for me." <gasps> oh, You're oh, I thought you were work. like, "I have the, Every... the rights to your likeness," and I was like, "He never said that to Daredevil." <laughs> Oh, no, no, not, not specifically. I'm saying conceptually. Yeah, oh, no, yeah, for sure. Well, that is absolutely I mean, right. we've already actually seen a more explicit ripoff of that in this, where, uh, like, Gene DeWolf, I think, like, gets, what is it, Gene DeWolf gets Spider-Man to, like, take care of Hammerhead for Wilson Fisk, something like that. I think that, like, that same thing played out already. Um, but yes, yeah. yeah, yeah, for sure. Except that he doesn't even give him a task. He's like, yeah, keep, you know, saving little old ladies from being mugged. Do your business. Just stay away from me. Uh, yeah. You know, like, and puts this pressure on him, which, like, if there's one thing that this Bendis run is great at, it is feeling, like, making you feel the pressure that is being put on Peter and how, like, intense that is. Um, how overwhelming it yeah. would be to be 15 in Spider-Man. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Which, which is, like, some of the best Spider-Man stuff, right? That's the stuff that feels great, where you, like, feel mm-hmm. the tension of, like, Peter being pulled in a million directions and not really knowing, like, there's no perfect solution, right? Like... 
does he ignore this at the cost of his relationships? Does he, you know, keep doing this despite the, the stress and the harm to his career and to his mental health and et cetera, et cetera? Um, you know, that, that's great in 616. And I think Ben just taps into that largely by, like, having him be a teenager. But I think um, just through his, his inner voice. That's yeah. all good. You know, like, Daredevil's reaction to it is good. He, he steals that born-again moment of, uh, you know, he burns down. Kingpin burns down Daredevil's law office here. Does he leave a note, though? Right, yeah, right, which is... Uh, I don't think he signs it ex- in this one. Exactly, yeah, it's, yeah. it's very Born Again light. Yeah, oh, yeah. Cliff Notes, I, th- I, I think he's winking at it, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I, I think I think it just all really works well. Um, the, the, the ending felt a little contrived to me, where it was like... Because they, they beat up Moon Knight, and then a couple of his thugs take, like, an unconscious Moon Knight down by the river and shoot him in the head, and then Moon Knight's yeah. just like, ugh... I guess I'm fine. <laughs> Where it's just like, we just... Well, not exactly. Not exactly. I mean, you see him, like, holding his head, like, ooh, ow, <laughs> my head. Yeah, but he he sees all these personalities. There's, like, a very, like, spiritual, supernatural, you know, kind of uh, comic-y situation where it's, like, all these voices in his head are talking to him, and then somehow he magically resurrects. Like, there's there's a a magical realism. Uh, okay. I, I mean, I, I got that. Like, I right got all his voices just being like, we're alive. Well, you we wouldn't be talking if we weren't like, not that like there was some kind of magical. Uh, no, I, I took it as like, uh, this is, there's a mystery. Okay. Well, e- a, even, I, I don't know that it's something's going to explore, but that's how I interpret it. No, even if, well, if that's the case, then I think that's also just a weird deus ex machina. Even besides that part of it, <laughs> which I thought was a little flimsy, the idea that he would walk into a police station and be like, Wilson Fisk ordered me murdered. And then the police would be like, fuck, arrest him and then like they arrest him and it's like we have all the evidence we need to put away wilson fisk like all, all that felt like a very flimsy way of dealing with wilson fisk it, yeah, because like we I literally mean, I, I don't have great uh i don't have great expectations for that trial yeah, right <laughs> like, well I don't, we, I don't think they have all that they need uh, at all in the ultimate universe an early thing here is that wilson fisk on camera crushed a man's head like popped his skull on camera and then he got away yeah. with it like in court yeah. this is like a man being like Wilson ordered somebody else to kill me, and they're, like, expecting that he's going to, you know. Yeah, it it feels a bit stretched. I mean, I, I think, too, like, generally it's solid. I mean, even the fact that... So, like, Wilson, you know, he Daredevil breaks into his apartment, mm-hmm. and rather than kill Wilson at this point, and this is after a whole bunch of stuff has happened, after he blows up Daredevil's law office in particular, and, and Matt's found in the bedroom, uh, we have Vanessa in a coma, and, you know, he's going to kill the kingpin's wife which is which is i think a good good moment and good like daredevils at the end of his rope and would yeah and it plays out this dynamic too of of spider-man being the one who has to talk him down and that's exactly what happens but then then they turn to wilson and they're like yeah but if we don't kill her which we're not going to do because i just talked daredevil out of this you have to leave yeah yeah, get and that to me felt like wilson should just been like no you're not going to do anything or like oh yeah i I will not going to do that and then he protects vanessa more and then well because he does turn around and say like uh blow up the school when class is going on uh kill matt murder yeah. like shoot him on the courtroom steps like of course because of yeah. course he would and then that's where i felt like there's that contrive contrivance of like well we have to stop him from doing that so like you know right moon knight testifies and you know the idea that this man who is explicitly mentally ill in this story would his testimony is enough to stop wilson fisk is uh kind of flimsy but overall i, like I think the, one the of ending... the biggest challenges i have with these kingpin stories in the bendis run mm-hmm. is like they're they're solid they're okay but the problem is they're leaning in and referencing examples of daredevil and kingpin stories that are so much better mm-hmm. so like yeah. all the references to the frank miller stuff obviously but then bendis's own daredevil run 
which happened like <laughs> like not concurrent but like shortly before yeah. all this stuff it's like Bendis's own Daredevil Kingpin stuff is way more interesting, interesting. Yeah, than what's ha- so it's just it's different audiences and it's different intent mm-hmm. but for me it's just like why why would you read this and not the good one <laughs> well <'cause laughs> you know you do a podcast like there's, there's a much more obvious there's just a more obvious like better but version. you do it because my ultimate year is at this point in the club but my marvelous year is still in 1991 and you've never read right but when i'm evaluating it you know it's just well you were like, asking me specifically is... and i was telling you why me zach has not read <laughs> Bendis's yeah i got it i got it <laughs> um but it's fine and and yeah. that's kind of you know a similar thing with the the next sequence which is a goblin story mm-hmm. and it's just like Again, like I'm crediting them for being the backbone of the Ultimate Universe, and I think, like, again, I think if this is your, if this is your Spider-Man, you know, in many ways, like it's it's kind of great for that. Um, but it's not. It it doesn't it doesn't ever quite get to like excellent territory. I guess you know, it's both, like a lot of times it's just yeah, like sorry. a really good, well done Spidey stuff. But there aren't a ton of moments where it's like, oh, this is a classic. And I think that's been the part of it that has felt maybe as a letdown to me as someone who loved this run a first time through when I was, you know, earlier in my comic experience. Because even like, so like in between the two arcs, there's the talk of Ant-Man. Wait, wait, before before you move, unless you're like just talking about the same thing, I kind of want to speak to what you were saying. Um, Unless... Well, I, I was actually. So okay, yeah, please, the talk Because I don't want to go too much into it otherwise. Yeah, yeah. Okay. That issue, the talk, it feels like this is a, supposed to be a big moment, right? It's supposed mm-hmm. to be a big issue. All conversation between Spider-Man and Aunt May, getting the, the cards out on the table that's, that he, Peter Parker is Spider-Man. And Aunt May knows that now. And having the talk. There's a version of this that happens um, in 616. I won't spoil the wins and the wherefores for those who, who aren't there. Who, in my memory was way a way bigger deal and executed in much more interesting fashion. I remember reading it and thinking, whoa, this is a huge deal. By the time we get here in the Ultimate Universe, it doesn't really feel like that big a deal, to me at least. I don't know. Like, so many uh, people know he's Spider-Man. Yeah. Um, this actually didn't feel like a massive drop to me. Maybe it's just because I know it's coming. Maybe it does to other people. Yeah, it, wor- but it works. It, it feels like the sort of issue that should be feeling like a classic, and actually it's kind of just a lot of dialogue I didn't want to read. Oh, um, no, it, it worked for me. I, I didn't, I mean, I, I thought it, like, worked emotionally um, for me, like, and sold Aunt May as a character. And you're right, like, a lot of people know who Spider-Man is in the Ultimate Universe. Like, he even jokes about it quite often. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, I think, like, Aunt May knowing here was kind of a big deal, because, like, they, they've been so through so much about it, you know? Like, Aunt May has threatened to kick him out of the house and, like, got a heart attack when she found out. Um yeah, I think, like, this worked for me. Maybe it's just your, like, a little bit of exhaustion overall rereading all this. I, what I was going to say is, I would bet money that if you reread Invincible, you would feel the exact same way as you are rereading <laughs> Ultimate Spider-Man. I, I thought about it as I was saying, as I was talking about Ultimate Spider-Man. Because. Thought, I'm not going to bring that up because Zach will jump on that. Because I think uh, Invincible You has, might have some point. I think Invincible is very similar to Ultimate Spider-Man, where it was both... Yeah. Like, Ultimate Spider-Man feels it, it is freed a little bit by its ability to be, like, we're totally free of continuity here, and I can kind of do what I want, but also a little bit restrained by its, like, simplicity, right? Like, it, it's not trying to tell a big overarching... Like, it, it's clear that, like, Bendis is like, this is Peter Parker in high school, right? Like, I'm not going to be transitioning him into huge new life stages. I'm not going to be, like, expanding the world into big new things. Like, we're just going to be refreshing the territory that we've done before, 
right? And like in yeah. shining a new lens on it. I feel like that's what Invincible does, where it's just like, hey, like here's superhero tropes you know, and it's just kind of polished and new and like in a new setting, but it's not exactly like blowing the lid off of anything you've seen before. Like, oh, see, I and I, I think I feel the opposite about Invincible. Not not just because I'm prone to the defending it because I loved it, but because it literally so often is saying, hey, here's the trope, and here's us blowing the lid off it yeah, <laughs> because we know you know the trope and we're doing something else. Maybe so I actually think that's that very thing. much what Invincible does well. Yeah, when, it, when I read it, it had that thing that like, happens when you watch Buffy now where that idea, where it's just like, uh, it's so clearly subverting the tropes where it's like, oh, a poor defenseless girl walks in an alley and a vampire jumps out, but this time the girl kicks the vampire's ass. It's trope twisting, right? Like it's so. But, on... but that can be awesome. That that can still just you can still just enjoy that. Like even if it's no, no. I, even well, if it feels obvious now. No, I, I I think there's something about that being dated. Like the the I, I think media. Well, it is. It literally is. Because I mean, because that's, such that's a part big of it. It part came of, out in an era. Such a big part of it feels. Um, I mean, we're just talking about Invincible now. A big part of that just feels uh, like. Um, I thought we were talking about Buffy. Well, and especially Buffy. Buffy's way worse about this, where it's just like petting your ego for being like, hey, you know about this. Well, you're going to get a kick out of seeing it twisted, right? It, it is just like, I'm smart and you're smart and we'll be clever together. Like, instead of serving up something actually worthwhile, it is just like trying to be clever. Um, so you so you hate Buffy. Is that what I'm hearing? I probably like Buffy as much as I do Invincible, which is like not very much. But wow, okay. you really dislike Buffy. Oh, and Buffy does not <laughs> hold up. Like, they watch Buffy in 2021. Like, it's it's a rough watch. No, thank you. Yeah, because I watched it in 2010 something. Yeah, and, uh, for the first I time. I watched it when I was 19, time. and I was like, Xander, what a cool and normal guy. Yeah, and no, then I, re- didn't, I didn't rewatched have the it. Grow and up it was with like, that experience. Oh boy, he's um an incel. Right? He's a hateful, misogynistic incel. That's weird. <laughs> Didn't notice that the first time. Xander? Xander? Xander is... I don't know. No, Xander is constantly just being, like, slut-shaming Buffy. Like, anytime she expresses interest in another boy, he's just like, Buffy, you're not allowed to see other men. Like, <laughs> all the time. Like, his whole thing is yeah. just being, like, sullen and bullying her for not wanting to, to date him. It's very strange. Um I, I don't know. It, it is it is not aged well. Well, it's. I mean, honestly, I think most of the male players in uh, in Buffy have they have really good post Buffy <laughs> post Buffy resumes. Yeah, yeah. Sure, so sure, you know, sure. definitely, uh, I'm going to stay uh, well, here. Well, I and mean, twenty twenty, all of them one by one. Who, Hang on, star? I have a list. I would like to defend all of their honor one by one. No, who stars rising more in twenty twenty one than Joss Whedon's? Let me just uh, log on to Twitter and search his name real quick. Just make sure everything is copacetic. Yeah, with that I guy. picked a I picked a weird year to launch WhedonHerald.com, I gotta say. I really thought the Whedonverse that connected all of his works was gonna this was gonna be the year. I and I gotta <laughs> tell you, Zach, I played my cards wrong. <laughs> I played I played a bad hand, I got a bad deal, and uh, I need some money is where the story ends. I really need all right, all right. So, back on Spider Man. Um, yeah, no, I, I, the 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 MA issue worked for me. Um, I I do think like like we've said a lot. It is a little bit hampered by like, I, and all the entire Ultimate line is a little hampered by their inability or un- unwillingness to be like, hey, let's throw the book out and do something crazy, <laughs> you know? Like let's do something yeah, right. really weird instead of just like let's tweak you know ten fifteen percent differences here. But, you know, like, again, this is good comfort food Spider-Man, and I think it, it works okay. Um, the second 
thing. It's mostly that like he'll have one or two very solid ideas in fun moments that that really work that elevate this thing. So like I like the Wilson Fisk mm-hmm. interrogation moment, and I really like Norman Osborn breaking out of Nick Fury's Triskelion prison. Yeah, this and stuff's good. And then immediately going on television, on live TV, and being like, Nick Fury held me, arrested me, and held me without trial in a secret prison and seized all my assets. Mm -hmm. Because he's smart enough just to be like, yeah, that's illegal. The government and Nick Fury's on the outs, which is something that, like, just kind of happens without note here. But because... You know, I wanted to ask you about that, because I'm like, we're literally reading every comic. How are we not in the know about this? No, it's ultimate... (laughs) It was ultimate power, remember? Oh yeah, it's because it, okay. it's because it's ultimate so, power. So that it was remember. in the worst event, right? Exactly. It was <laughs> because he like opened up these other, you know, I, I can't remember even the details, but I remember him, you know, getting booted out of the uh, shield roll. Yeah, sure. Carol Danvers yeah. is taking over. She's not as good at it. Um, oh, two two little moments that I'm gonna forget uh, to mention if I don't mention them now. One, Kitty Pride gets a new outfit. It is awesome and like one of the coolest like new outfit. It, it's funny because Kitty Pride has never had a good outfit in marvel except like she should she should always be trying out crazy outfits i mean that, that that's the fun so trope at this, this point like i am with that um yeah. but i really liked this outfit except maybe her marauder's outfit her marauder's outfit is rad um yes i like that and then i liked that there was a joke where uh, kitty pride and peter parker are having to raise a baby doll together and it's just like classic high school sitcom thing um and uh Kenny, is that his name, runs off with Kitty Pride after, like, charming her, and Peter Parker makes some joke about, like, hey, he stole my baby mama, and MJ's reaction is just to be like, you're funnier with your mask on. <laughs> yeah. That's a great joke. It's <laughs> just, like, yeah, the deadpan saying that. Uh, yeah, I really like that about uh, Norman Osborn, and then the rest of it is fine. The rest is fine. Turns into a punch fight between him and Harry. He kills Harry. Um, and He being Norman. Yeah, Norman Osborn kills Harry, and then asks shield to kill him because he you know didn't realize what he did and (laughs) which they're all too happy to oblige um i i do like the big picture ultimate universe stuff though where where we get these insights into shield where we get these insights into nick fury being gone and what that's like because again it is like well where what other comics is that going to happen in right now Mm -hmm. and um x-men has kind of had an opportunity with that because magneto is so central Mm -hmm. to the to the story but uh, honestly really it comes from spider-man and especially as Spidey's connections to Nick Fury and kind of the Ultimates just continue to grow. You know, it's definitely the greatest mm-hmm. difference in many ways between the Ultimate Universe Spider-Man and and the Earth-616 is just that, like, yeah, he's really close to Nick and S.H.I.E.L.D. and they're close to him for good and for ill. Um, it, does, it does often make—it makes the stories feel bigger. It makes them feel fairly important. And, like, again, like Norman Osborn, Magneto, these characters kind of being America's most wanted— in a way that they they often don't come across as in 616. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, they, they often just come across as, like, costumed lunatics who maybe people know about, maybe they don't. Like, in the Ultimate Universe, clearly, with media having advanced at least enough to the 2000s, it's like, yeah, everyone knows about them, and yeah. everyone is scared of them, and uh, and they sell that, I think, pretty effectively. This, this is going to... There's, like, 10% of the listeners are going to react to this. But, like, I, I completely forgot to mention this. We read Stanley's 1990 graphic novel, um, Silver Surfer, The Enslavers, right? Uh-huh. And I forgot to mention it there. One of the funniest things about that is there's a huge plot line in that story about how, like, there's a Carl Sagan-esque figure being like, I did it. I discovered the... the um, 
the existence of alien life. And like people on TV are like, this guy's a fraud. No way. And that's like by 1991, Galactus has, you know, like stepped foot in the middle of New York City multiple times. Like Super Skrulls running around constantly. Like there are so many aliens on Earth all over the place attacking. Yeah. Uh, Like I thought that was a really funny, especially for Stan Lee to be writing that. Um, Yeah. Yeah. So I think that actually is kind of a nice tack on effect of the ultimate universe is that like it does feel a little smaller in that regard which is nice like it feels like yeah magneto does like they mention magneto in spider-man comics when he's around because of course right there's not that many threats and there's not that many enormous threats that it would be a big deal like it does it does feel like things echo except like galactus galactus has no echo whatsoever (laughs) right that's the other side of it is he gets swept under the rug and uh they don't really talk about it yeah um, okay, I think I think that's gonna do it for uh, for the comics we read this time. Next time on my Ultimate Year, we are going to be reading uh, a little more variety. We're gonna be reading more Spider-Man, about five more issues of that, as well as the Spider-Man Annual, Fantastic Four, forty-seven through fifty-three, Ultimate X-Men, eighty-one through eighty-nine. Oh, oh, I forgot. Stuart Eminen comes in. We got to talk about that for just a minute. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's pretty important artistic change. I did mention. Yeah. You know, so Bagley's yeah, out. Yeah at the end of the the Marvel Knights arc and I know obviously you've been fairly critical of his art I think just I've, I've come around again like credit amount. where it's yeah. due yeah, for yeah. for the workman like approach for sure. of, of yeah. he was certainly he was certainly himself throughout the entire run yeah. right like yeah, yeah. if you like like if you I didn't actually like think he's jump, improved like I, I don't think really? it's just me that I got like, a lot of reps I yeah for sure but I, I don't think it's just me that I got more used to his weird cow eyes I think his weird cow, cow eyes got a little more normal that's a very backhanded compliment. <laughs> yes, it is. But like, I, I really like. Yeah, wanna, uh, I really like hear another one is... as an artist. I talked about enjoying him on Ultimate Fantastic Four as well. So seeing him come into yeah. USM, I don't have like super fond memories of this artistic change from the first time around. I probably forgot, because yeah. of the time it happens in regards to Ultimatum. Um, but I, I mean, it's a really good fit. Like he's a, yeah. I think he's a great fit actually. Um, and uh, and Spider Man looks great. I think if you didn't like Bagley. Come jump on in on Ultimate Spider-Man number 113. This is your time. <laughs> That'd be pretty funny. Another backhanded compliment for Bagley is uh, we just read his initial work in like 1991, and like, oh man, his Ultimate Spider-Man work is just miles ahead of that. I love that stuff compared because yeah. he's. I think he's a very good like visual storyteller. I think he lays out pages really nicely. Um, mm-hmm. Imminent's interesting because Imminent seems just like good, straightforward comic work that is like. He's got a distinct style, but he's not like too weird, and uh, and it's like hard to really find fault with. But there's there's at least one person in our Slack who just loathes this guy, hates him, hates him. There's always one. It's always so somebody. funny. I I don't remember who it was. Oh no, no, I do. But uh, they they came in and like we were talking about Bagley, and he's like, yeah, Bagley's fine, but like imminent sucks and he was just like posting all these panels and he was like look at these he just hates the faces the same thing that i had with bagley um which i get like he has a very these, distinct way these of drawing people with their obs- their obsessive zooms in they're zooming in on like particular artist renditions I mean, t- of t- it's t- like t- the liefeld feet thing i'm like no you know how many times no, reading an x-force comic is... i've ever thought like oh man the feet though there's like no, this story is, is crazy action and strife doing weird stuff no, but man these feet Oh, it is can't not the read. same at all. Like that, that you would. It's totally the same. What that faces, like that human faces, and the ability to draw feet are, are anywhere. Like I, I'm equitable never. I, how often, like that. That is a different style of reading, though. Like I'm reading the eight thousand word balloons on the page. But there's art. You look <laughs> at art. Time to look at the faces for long. 
how do you not look at the faces in a Bagley comic? Like, in a, a Bendis Bagley comic, it's like 70% of the panels are just faces. Like, it's so much of the artwork. No, here. 70% of the panel is word balloon, and 30% is the background of a face. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean that is not the same. I, I get what you're saying with Liefeld. I mean, it's, I mean, it's very good. I, I think so, too. <laughs> I mean, no, I, a very good, versatile I artist. I, like, I, I think I like to your point, too, like, it's not so, like singular or unique that it's like a real you know acquired taste yeah but it's also not a house style exactly yeah you know it's also not just like oh this is just when, like when this i is what a Marvel comic i've only like. read his stuff via the ultimate line here and like now when i read an imminent book i'm immediately like oh that that's how imminent draws a face i see it like sure yeah it's very very recognizable sure. okay all right that's really going to be it for us thank you so much for listening we will see you next month for episode 19 and uh, rate and review us on iTunes. We got a new review this month that was very sweet. And uh, support us over on Patreon if you want to support the show. Tell a friend uh, to hop on in. Tell two. Uh, yeah, yeah. Tell two. Tell two. We say we say tell two, but never three. Yes, never three. Yeah, I don't want that many. I don't want that many listeners. I like the the space we're in. All right. Thank you so much for listening. Good, Chalio. Ch- 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 Wait, you didn't say. You didn't say that. Um. The music you heard. Oh yeah, the yeah. The music. The music. And the end of this episode is from a band known as By Divide. Oh, there you go. You got it. That was pretty good. We didn't didn't stumble around it. All right. Now for our classic closing phrase. Um, chimp. Hoobity ho. Okay. Goodbye. I got issues. I got issues.